You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 107 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you for your comics releasing on Wednesday, January 23rd. As always, I'm your host, Vince, along with Roger. How you doing today, man? See, it confuses me whenever you're saying that now because I'm going releasing it. What's the date today, damn it? <laughs> and I have because, you know, I'm looking. I'm like, OK, it's the 22nd to make sure I count ahead one. But sometimes I have the show notes that I haven't touched since Monday. Well, since forever. So I'm yeah. like, wait, which date? Which is the correct date? But uh, uh, there's always a little bit of a little bit of a draw out when I'm getting the date out to make sure I don't screw it up. <laughs> I don't like my last one. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't think you know what day it was. I didn't. <laughs> I'll own up to it. That's why I wanted to re-record the damn thing. I think there was one time I forgot what podcast we were on, so it's all good. Oh, Jesus, I've done that more than once. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this week we're taking a long-awaited look at one of our favorite ongoing ongoing miniseries, recurring miniseries, let's just say, and that is Marvel Universe versus the Avengers. This is now the third year we've actually talked about this. I just realized that, like, man, we've been doing this for a while because... The original miniseries was one of our early, early episodes. That was Marvel Universe versus The Punisher. Then last year we had Marvel Universe versus Wolverine, along with our great interview with Jonathan Mayberry himself. And now this year we have Marvel Universe versus The Avengers. And I mean, I just love this universe, right, Raj? At this point here, like we can say, it's become an IP. I mean, it's its its own IP kind of thing using the, the characters from Marvel. But it's just that it is... Um, like it's it is its own world, its own settings, everything, and and even the characters are just ever so slightly different because of what they've been through right now, justifiably. So it puts a new spin on it, kind of thing. So yeah, no. As I was reading it, I was thinking the same kind of thing. Like we've we've now become heavily invested in this world and what he's doing here, which is giving it that much more impact for this series for those of us who have read the two the two that came before. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this was a four-issue miniseries written by Jonathan Mayberry, uh, art by Leandro Fernandez, and colors by Lee Luffridge. And it's it just felt so great to be back in that setting again. As you said, we, we've yep. fallen in love with it over the previous two miniseries. Although it was really interesting going into this one. And like the story is going to focus on Hawkeye. And both of us at the same time went, ooh, I don't know about that. Now that was, of course, before – we really got into the the ongoing Hawkeye series from Matt Fraction, but it, he wasn't as cool as cool here as he was in the main series because, well, how could he be? But I didn't mind Hawkeye in this one. No, he wasn't mad. But again, here we have something where, um, like Mayberry drew heavily from the current series. I maybe not drew from it, but you know, kind of was thinking along the same lines because we are seeing a Hawkeye that is, you know, not the chauvinistic bastard and much more relatable. So, I mean, you, you actually feel for him when he has to put an arrow through Mockingbird. So like, I, I, I like how he wrote them. Like, this is how Hawkeye should be written all the time. This and what's going on in the series. I, so yeah, had this come out like before what we've been seeing in the series, I would have been even more hesitant. But I mean, that series has made a huge, huge difference in how I see the character now. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, what a way to start off the series with the poor guy says he had just come back from a shield operation and kind of missed you know, all hell breaking loose and just dropped right down in the middle of it. And I mean, one of the first people that he has to track down and take out is his former wife, like you said, Mockingbird. And there was that commentary he had running throughout of, you know, how even amongst all the Avengers, he was still an outcast. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he wasn't he didn't have superpowers. And, and we see that recurring throughout the series of he's just the guy with the bow. But it works here because, like you said, he's not overcompensating for it. But I think he also kind of realizes, at least in his internal monologue, that that overcompensation is kind of what's made him the, the outcast. Like you said, Wolverine, Spider-Man, the other loners that don't really fit in with the Avengers, they get him. And we've kind of seen that throughout the years in, in other comics that, you know, though. Spidey and Hawkeye, of course, get along great. And, you know, there are, there are certain character interactions that work in the Avengers, but outside of the team. And I think they kind of captured that here. Let me ask you something. And this is something that I thought about as I was, um, I was reading it because you were talking about the monologue for that first part. But do you think that it would have been much more powerful if the entirety of the, the issue up until he kills Mockingbird and he's holding him and then he looks out at the cityscape that's like falling apart if there hadn't been any monologue at all. If that had all been silent and you'd just been seeing it happening, I feel it would have been so much more powerful up until that point. Probably. I mean, I'm trying to envision it. I'm kind of having a hard time just jumping... It struck me because I, I, like I said last week, how I've been reading all of the uh, the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, the old ones. And um, one of the issues does that. And it's more striking because of it. Now, you, of course, you don't want all comic books to be silent. There, there's a point, you know, you have to have some writing in it. But every once in a while, to use that effectively, a writer can use that just as effectively as if they don't put dialogue in their novels. So I think here that... Had there not been any dialogue up until that point, I think it would have been even more powerful to see him having to go through this and and put the arrow through Mockingbird. I don't know. It's just something that struck me. I wanted to ask you what you thought. Yeah, I mean, it, it could work. I, I'd kind of have to go back and like re, re go, go through it again without and kind of block it out. But I can see how that would work. So Hawkeye is now finding himself in the middle of the zombie outbreak. And... <laughs> As we see, he's even more outclassed than usual because, you know, not only is he still fighting hulks and mutants and all that, but they're all amped up on this rage virus. And I I really like that throughout that first issue, you just see him emotionally in the artwork as well as in in the the monologue, just getting worn down. Like by the end of the issue, he's, he's, you can see his shoulders are slouching. He's not holding the bow up. You know, it's, it's a lot of those little things that really make you see that Hawkeye is emotionally, physically in every way possible, devastated by the events that are going on here, which we obviously didn't see from the Punisher or Wolverine. Cause that's not how they work. Well, the thing too, is like you were saying at the beginning where he's saying like, I'm just a guy with a bow. That's all I am. And so when you're seeing him here and especially when you're seeing him with the other superheroes and you're getting both the monologue as well as the action, like when he's with Cap and Captain America's just plowing mm-hmm. through everything and he's going like, <laughs> I didn't get a single shot Thanks for off. The yeah. <laughs> he's realizing 
just how useless he is kind of in this environment. So you, it, it, he does a very good job of kind of like you're still seeing a lot of like he is making a difference, but he's not feeling like he's always making a difference. So it for throughout the series, like we'll talk more obviously as we get to the other issues, but I mean, you, you're you seeing how, and it, and, it, and again, it's, I I don't want to say maybe it was a good decision to use Hawkeye, but it's just that, again, because I've got this newfound respect for the character because of the series now, the ongoing series, where you, the first issue, you're really like, you're, you're kind of feeling for him and you're seeing what he's going through and you're understanding that he's just a freaking guy with a bow. And so as then it progresses and he has more and more of an impact going forward, you are kind of cheering for him. You're you're really rooting for this underdog. Well, I'll tell you who I was cheering for come the end of the first issue. It better not be Thor. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dr. Freaking Doom. Uh, of course I you was were. so happy when Doom showed up. Because first of all, I, I've said many times, I absolutely love the character of Doom. And as I mentioned when we were talking to uh, Jonathan Mayberry, that his work writing Doctor Doom in the Doom War miniseries was among the best I've seen for that character. So I loved that he was grabbing that character that he admittedly loves and writes so well and inserting it into, you know, his little baby zombie universe. I was so happy to see that. It was one of those things where I didn't see it coming. But then when it's once it happened, it was like, OK, yeah, I should. Have oh, seen yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this makes perfect sense now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they, I wish he had written it in because I wanted somebody to utter the line, you know, that famous line from Fantastic Four, all hope lies in doom. Yeah, really? That would have been actually like, come really on. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, the Avengers don't take to this too kindly, especially Thor. Man, Thor was just going nuts on Doom verbally. But Doom just had a great response. He's like, you know, you call yourself heroes. What have you protected? You haven't protected anything. As he says, quote, you call yourselves Avengers. Vengeance is a response to failed protection. And again, the the, the artwork with the facial expressions, you can see that that just took them all down a peg. And then they try to go, oh, well, you know, how many people have you protected in Latveria? How many of them are affected? None. And it's just like they had no response to it. It was very well done. Yeah, yeah. I And I liked that. See, this is one of those things that you think about a lot as you're reading comic books and like all these, like these, these prints or these gods and everything and then like, and storm and whatnot. And, uh, and yet when you're looking at, like he's saying like these, these, have you fed all of these starving, starving African kids and everything else? And have you protected all these other people? No, you haven't. No, you've protected people in New York. Okay. That's all and you've done. That, not yeah, well. re- really. <laughs> so there. So yeah, the look on Thor's face after. After that, oh, I, I should make a little avatar for you, just of that, for your Twitter <laughs> avatar. That'd be perfect. <laughs> and still, the Avengers aren't quite convinced. You know, Thor busts loose, starts wailing on Doom. Everybody else jumps in, and Doom is just handling them. And to a level we've never seen him operate before. And this is where Hawkeye has some great insight as... He is so supremely confident in his ability at, that the Avengers cannot defeat him. He didn't come here to be a villain. He came here to conquer and rule the world. And in Doom's mind, there can be no other outcome. And it's one of those things where Doom's arrogance and confidence is both his greatest asset and his biggest weakness. Yeah. And so 
Hercules busts in with his moloids, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And Doom's just like, all right, fine. You guys got this? Fine. And he just stands back, crosses his arms, and watches as the Avengers are getting wrecked. Uh, Hawkeye finally talks him into helping, and he busts in, takes down Hercules. And again, one of those great panels of all the Avengers kneeling in front of Doom. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved that whole segment. The art, we really can't say enough about the art here. Because not only is the art phenomenal to look at and whatnot, but the manner in which, uh, who is this? Leandro Leandro Fernandez, Fernandez yes. yes. The manner in which he captures, he poses everybody, the angles that he uses, like that, the 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 the, the panel that you're talking about where everybody is bowing down to, to Doom, you would think that normally an artist would want to focus heavily on the either doom or the all of the people kneeling so that you're seeing the expressions on their faces and all that but no what he does is he doesn't want to focus on that he wants to focus on the reason why they're kneeling and by taking this this approach of showing from further back so that you see the like the moloids that are bleeding on the ground and the arm that's bleeding and the ravage the reason why they're all bowing down i mean it it it's not much until you actually study it panel by panel and really appreciate the framing and everything like he did such a phenomenal job and also with the camera per se being placed at ground level it has that that low angle that makes doom seem that yeah. much more superior to them yeah 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 there's nothing more we can say that's that was fantastic and so dr doom takes control he's he's got this locked down he has these fancy little doom stones that will prevent the infection from taking hold so if you're wearing a doom stone it's green you're all good you're all happy you can go about your business of hunting down rage zombie superheroes but as we see if you put the doom stone on someone who already has succumbed to the infection it wipes their mind puts them down and this is another one of those things where we see as the story progresses, having to constantly kill and or basically turn people into vegetables, the Avengers are wearing down. They're not happy with their situation. I mean, Doom is, you know, happy as can be. He's got he's got exactly what he wanted. He's in charge. He's making he's actually doing good, at least in his eyes and questionable to everybody else. But I, I, we see as this as this third issue goes on, it just keeps breaking down. You know, the Avengers can't keep doing this anymore to the point where Thor is like, you know, I'm done. You know, this is not what being a hero is about. I've I'm out. You guys you guys got this. I'm going to go back to Asgard. And it's just <laughs> with each issue of the story, like we we've, we've we've seen this before. I didn't think it could keep getting worse. Yeah, really? but it did. <laughs> well, it does because again, they're far from done either. Like when they're 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 bringing people into like the equivalent of concentration camps to to put stones on them and whatnot, and then you're having them having to to see what is happening as they're trying to save other people around the city and different things like that. Like I mean, it's just. You, you can see how it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And then you know in the back of your head, this isn't just about Doom wanting to be Grand Pooba of the world. There's something more going on there, and you're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. So, like, I... I don't know. I was seeing it more. I'm seeing the man behind the curtain here, and I'm just waiting. Oh, this is gonna be bad. So, and 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 the and seeing Deadpool in behind everywhere. Oh, Once again, God. few people can make me like Deadpool. 
Mayberry is one of them. Like when he's he's got the little feather duster <laughs> and he's cleaning around. <laughs> but some of the stuff that we see with Deadpool though didn't seem to kind of add up with what was going on in some of the other issues in terms of timelines. I'm going to have to go back I, I, and read I've, them again and see. The continuity amongst the miniseries is a little, a little loose. Off. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, it all works oh, yeah, yeah, as definitely, far as the definitely. theme is yeah. concerned. Like, yeah, we see the Avengers, you know, rallying in, in the middle of Times Square, and the Thing is amongst them. Well, we know Thing was one of the first infected. But, I mean, it's it's those little details. That, like, yeah, if you really break it down, some things don't add up. But in the grand scheme of the story, it's also largely irrelevant. Yeah. There's one thing that ticked me off, but we'll get to that later. Okay. What did you think of the scene with Dokken? Uh, which one are we talking about here? Because where they, Doom, where Doom brings him back. He he was he had his mind yes. wiped by yeah. the Doomstone. Yeah, and Doom brings him back. He has all of his memories, but he just wants he's, his daddy. Yeah, he's just a kid. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> if you hate Dokken, this was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and again, they're still not liking it. Hawkeye goes to confront Doom about what's going on, and finds him chowing down on Mystique. Our, our buddy Doom, while he seems in control, has succumbed himself, and he is a flesh eater. That at, at The last page of every one of these issues was amazingly perfect on every point with, with the cliffhangers, uh, the pacing of the story. Each issue ended at the, just the most infuriating point possible, and yep. I loved it and hated it for that. Yep. Yeah. Well, again, it's great storytelling, making sure that you're going to come back for the next issue. When we're looking at so many series that aren't doing that great after one or two issues, you want to make sure to keep doing this, and he knows how to pace a comic book. And that, that, that's one of the strengths of writing specifically for a miniseries. I've said many times before, a miniseries can have such a tighter, more controlled story just because you know how many pages you're working with from beginning to end, and he uses it to great effect Very here. effectively, yeah. So as Doom explains, you know, we, we know everybody was already infected and it just takes longer for it to take control of your, your higher functions and other people. So that's what the Doomstones are about. It holds that back. But, you know, this is the way we are now. It's the, the, the disease has written every, rewritten everybody's DNA. So why should he not partake in a bit of human flesh if he can still, you know, keep everybody happy? I mean, it, it was... It was really weird, but kind of a good weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I wasn't actually, and I wasn't expecting it. So it was enough that it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. We we were waiting for the you know the the megalomaniacal plan. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. Oh, I started the disease the whole time. Yeah. To, to no, he just this was not your traditional doom twist. Uh, yeah, he was still doom, still completely nuts, still still doom, but in a different way. And I loved that because. The Doomstones were were his, you know, his Trojan horse the whole time. He, when Hawkeye starts berating him for it and attacking him, he activates the Doomstones and turns everybody feral. And it all hit the fan at that point. I would have liked to have seen when he confronts Doom and Doom's about to take a bite out of Mystique and um, Deadpool is there because Deadpool is kind of was offering her up with an apple in her mouth <laughs> yes. if Deadpool would have turned to Hawkeye and said, would you like a breast or a thigh? That would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Light meat or dark, she can do whatever you want. <laughs> and here with the Doomstones, we really see Doom's end game here. Uh, I think it was Black Panther said, every person wearing a Doomstone becomes an extension of Doom's will through his science as well as his magic. 
Doom is now in direct control of every, well, every person in New York, at least. You know, he had to figure his master plan was at least eventually everybody on Earth. But this this was the Doom twist all along. And again, I said I, I liked the way they pulled it off. It wasn't we were expecting the twist the whole time, but I wasn't expecting this particular twist. And see what I hated was that he made it so that Tony died infected. It wasn't that the hero was caught in his in the yeah. Iron Man outfit and forced to die as a hero, but die in there. No, he's infected, so it's a bad guy that's going to die in there. And it's like, ah, damn it. I because, really... because ever since that first miniseries, when we saw the Iron Man statue, we were like, oh, that's great. And we finally got to see how it happened. And yeah, and it, it would have no. been better if it had happened while he was uninfected. Way, way. I cannot describe how much better. I was. That was the only point in all this that not only did I, it was like, uh, didn't like it, whatever. No, I really didn't like that he made it so that it's a villain dying here, not a good guy like that. I mean, there's plenty of dying all over the place, but this is a particularly horrible death to be stuck in the Iron Man costume and starve to death while you can't do a damn thing in there. So, no, that really ticked me off. Mm -hmm. So the last three Avengers alive, capable, whatever we're going to go with, are, of course, Hawkeye, Punisher, and Black Widow. And I love how he took the three least powerful Avengers, the, 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 the three that have no superpowers whatsoever, and puts them in charge. And even Hawkeye's like saying when he's talking to Reed and Black Panther, he's like, we're not exactly the A team here. You know, we're going up against three or four Hulks, <laughs> let alone you know, everything else. And just a great speech of, you know, you're Avengers. This is what you do. You know, you're you were all brought into this for a reason. And just that great heroic moment. You're like, yes, everything's gonna be great. And it all it all goes to hell. <laughs> I loved when, you know, they're attacking the Spider Clan. Which again, that's that callback to the first miniseries, and and Spidey just swings in and makes off with Black Widow, yep. claiming him as his own. Because as as we remember going back, she was part of the Spider Clan. So there there was a lot of that cool stuff. You get to see you know the argument of should we kill them? And I'm like, of course we should kill them. But okay, Black Widow, make make your argument. You're not going to convince Frank Castle not to start killing yeah, everybody. Right. But okay, go for it. And, and see, I liked what Hawkeye was saying about that too. How he actually believes that Frank is enjoying himself. There's no rules, nobody to answer to, nothing, just kill everything. And yeah, they gave it the old college try, but yeah, you got to start putting these guys down until eventually (laughs) Frank just runs off. (laughs) Hawkeye says, yeah, he's off hunting. I don't know what he's doing anymore, but it's basically down to just Hawkeye and Doom. And he gets the adamantium-tipped arrow with, with the last bit of Wolverine's claw. Now, I'm trying to remember. I need to go back and read it. Isn't this the same arrow that Punisher would later use to kill the Hulk? Ooh, that's a good question. Damn it. My book's upstairs. <laughs> I know. I, 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 it's, it's in a box somewhere you in my couldn't closet. couldn't have asked this before we started recording? Damn it. Now it's going to piss me off. I'm going to have to find it, that. If I remember correctly, didn't Frank shoot the Hulk in the, in the head with an adamantium-tipped arrow? I honestly don't remember. That's a while now. Like ah, you were crap. saying, well, crap. we're, we're going to say it was. And that well, was see, pretty cool. <laughs> th- this was, there's only, and see, this is the other thing too. When uh, the Hulk had the hand mm-hmm. wrapped around on a necklace and the claws were sticking out. And but that's what I was trying claws. to remember if one of the claws was broken. I don't remember. Because God. the we other hand, he's got part. his other hand. 
he didn't lose it. So he didn't right. lose a tip of it. So it would have to come off that. And I honestly didn't think that there was a tip missing from it. Going to have to check now. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to you next week with the results. Continuity of the- <laughs> be damned. It was still awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And you have that last little bit of where I said Doom's confidence and arrogance is his best asset, but also his biggest weakness. Because Clint goes in knowing that Doom knows that Hawkeye can't beat him. Because there are lines Hawkeye won't cross. There are rules Hawkeye will play by that Doom won't. And by changing the rules, that's how poor, powerless little Hawkeye is able to take down Dr. Freaking Doom. And it was just well done. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Until, hey, Thor's back. <laughs> he ain't happy. <laughs> it's funny reading online how many people were so pissed. Like, oh, my God, it made the ending, you know, it completely ruined the high point and it made everything all pessimistic. And, you know, like. <laughs> pessimistic. Yeah. Have you been reading? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think that was probably the best way it could have ended. <laughs> well, yeah, because it leads directly into the, the last page then is uh, Castle's uh, yeah, monologue, the which then up. starts right back to loops to the first series uh, several years back. So in terms of continuity. So I thought it actually did a perfect job in terms of how it paced the ending. Mm-hmm. Now the fight makes sense. Yeah. It's just them and me. Now, here's an interesting discussion, though, and I think, I I hope at least Mayberry left it purposefully vague, of why did Thor attack Hawkeye? Was Thor infected, or was he just so full of rage over the the human race falling that, I mean, there's a lot of ways the story could go, and there is no clue as to which it was. See, I again, I, I really need to go back and read the first two again now. Um, like the Wolverine, I remember a little bit more because it wasn't that long ago, but the Punisher Man, that's a while back now. Um, and so I don't remember if Thor was. He, he wasn't infected. really a factor in it. He might have been in like one of the flashbacks or something, but right. he wasn't involved in the story yeah. at all. Because, I mean, he's got blood shooting out of his mouth here. He's got the rage virus. Like, he wouldn't, in his right mind, take mm. off his freaking head. Well, he didn't take it off. He just sent it into his <laughs> there chest. There was no more head. <laughs> <laughs> just sent it beside his heart and lungs. Um, but no, the he's obviously infected. Like, he is, yes, he's a god, but he's got DNA same as everybody else. So his DNA has been rewritten. Which leads you to wonder, what happened on Asgard <laughs> yeah, before I see what he left? On Asgard, <laughs> I'm thinking that's next year's Marvel oh, Universe. Man. So, let's assume that. So first, Jonathan Mayberry makes you read a comic about Hawkeye. Then he's going to make you read one about Thor. Thor. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> All right. So that wraps it up. I mean, of course, we absolutely loved it. Three for three on these minis. Uh, I'm perfectly happy getting four issues of this every year if it's this amazing. I mean, of course, I would love you know <laughs> an issue every month. But, hey, Mayberry's got stuff to do. He writes – he puts out so many books too. He's putting out like three, four books a year. And they're, they're quality stuff. We've both been reading them. So yep. he keeps himself busy, but he's still able to put out some pretty good quality comics in addition to everything else. And we appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. So into what we're reading, I only have a couple this week. Uh, first of all is Justice League number 15. It came out uh, the first week of January, actually, which for DC was technically their last week. It just, it's complicated, but whatever. It came out a while ago. 
I, the, the overall story about the whole war with Atlantis and, you know, all this stuff, I couldn't care less. I mean, honestly, I haven't cared about the overall story of Justice League since like issue three, but I do like a lot of the character development that happened in this issue, uh, stuff with the, um, Clark and Diana, their relationship. It actually, it was written well. It was like, before it was, you know, such, you know, kind of teeny drama stuff, but the way their actual characters came across in this issue, I enjoyed great probably the best character writing that's happened in justice league so far hmm. i am actually way behind in justice league right now like really behind i need to go back and read them all again and you you can skip <laughs> it's I it can. hasn't been all that impressive and oh my god the captain marvel backups that they oh, i'm sorry shazam we can't actually call him captain marvel anymore dc's finally given up <laughs> and it's just calling the character himself shazam now awful oh my god God, where there's like they're 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 building it up to Shazam joining the Justice League, and I'm like, no, please, I I hate absolutely everything that is happening with that character. Yeah, those that I had read, I was not digging them either. The earlier ones, and the only other one I want to talk about is uh, the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Secret of the Foot Clan. Uh, this is going way way back to the founding of the Foot Clan, and. As we've said so many times, I just love, you know, those old Japanese samurai stories. And it was just really cool because uh, they've been doing a, such a great job of building the continuity of their universe, taking all these wild things that have happened in the comics and the TV shows, all the various settings that Ninja Turtles has been in over the years. And they're taking great bits of everything and putting it together into an amazing whole. And now seeing them exploring that backstory and now how that origin story is tying in almost directly to the stuff that's going on in the regular ongoing. Great work. I haven't read it. I have it. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I will soon. All right. Well, what have you read? Okay. Um, well, I, I finished up all of the the Spider-Man. I'm not going to talk about it again because I, I think I did enough last week. But, <laughs> but I finished them all off. God, it's so bloody amazing. Jeez, not a bad pun there, but yeah. Um, all new X-Men number six. We'd been talking about how, you know, we needed to see more about Gene having a really hard time with the all of a sudden telepathy. And we'd seen some of that in some of the other ones, but we're seeing even more of it in this one here. Um, I like her working with uh, Kitty to block out all the voices and everything. And then we're seeing young Scott with Wolverine that, and him oh trying God. to deal with it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> it he was, here's the motorcycle driving yeah. away. <laughs> it was obviously more of a character building issue, which you need, um, especially letting, uh, Warren see himself as well, because up until that point he thought he was kind of dead. So seeing himself, but it's like no one you could possibly imagine with freaking metal wings instead. So a lot of character development, which uh, every few issues you do need to have that as well. It was still good, but uh, nowhere near the action of the other ones. Did, uh, you see what Bendis was talking about his little Easter egg from the, uh, telepathy scene? No. What? All of the various thoughts Gene is picking up in that scene, you know, all the thought balloons all over the place. Right. Those are all excerpts from message boards of people talking about all new X-Men when it was first announced. <laughs> and like, and if you look, you're like, there's stuff like, have they even read the source material? Where's Angel? You know, all this stuff going on. <laughs> That's hysterical. Okay. That, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, that was good. I read through some of them and it's... I, I didn't pick up on that. Okay. Um, also, Avenging Spider-Man number 16. Here we have... Doc Ock Spider-Man, the first time where he's teaming up with um, the X-Men. Did you read this? I did. I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. 
I liked it a lot. And we're seeing the the one thing that we all know as soon as a telepath gets a hold of his brain, <laughs> that's it, shows over. I The whole I'll sue you bit was a little ridiculous. <laughs> You're not going to be taking out your freaking costume and going to court, buddy. Um, but other than that, I liked the interaction. Him beating the crap out of Wolverine. How oh, can you God. not like that? Oh, God. And, and his little, like, you haven't all thought about doing this before. <laughs> and I but, like that as he's doing it, nobody's stopping him. <laughs> <laughs> One of the cool things is, you know, as he's off being, you know, superior and, and the X-Men are standing there watching. They're like, isn't he acting kind of weird? You know, is he, isn't he being a little extreme? And I forget who it was. Was it uh beast? I think was like, yeah, but he's Spider-Man. I mean, I think he's earned, you know, the benefit yeah. of the doubt at this point. So it's, it's going to be interesting seeing how that plays out over the upcoming months of how, how far that'll get him. Do we know if the, the next one is another um, with the X-Men? Because typically it's in twos. I think they said it was fantastic Four. okay. All right. Um, and and Paco Medina. Oh, my God. Freaking art is insane. Just absolutely beautiful. Just gorgeous. I, I This was a great issue. I really enjoyed it a lot. Yes, and you're right. It is fantastic for. Uh, and then lastly, uh, the next round of Batman titles. So the uh, number six. It's going to be a great episode once they're done with all this. Man, yeah, because this was... Equally good. The only one that I didn't like, because it really had next to nothing to do with the main storyline, um, well, the the death in the family thing, was the Suicide Squad. Like because Yeah, they, they pretty much finished off that, with, yeah, the, that was with the, death in the family at that there. Point, yeah, so it was, and I just don't like Suicide Squad as a whole, so I, I really didn't like it. See, it's one of those comics that I acknowledge is nowhere near anything approaching good but I have fun reading it. Yeah. See, I don't even have that. I, uh, but Batman itself and, uh, I read Batman, Batgirl and Batman and Robin. Um, Batman and Robin was nowhere near as strong. Batgirl was still pretty strong overall, especially with the stuff with her brother. And, but I mean, the Batman title was just phenomenal. I keep thinking though now of, um, Rob Giori, the, the, the artist for Chew, who was saying he on Twitter, he'd had it. We know his face has fallen off. We get it. We don't need to see the flies around and everything else and whatnot. And it, it, and it's true. Like, you're looking at this and, like, every, you know, like, all the 15s were bad. The 16s, now there's, like, flies all over his face as well. And it's, like, drooping. And he's got the fish hooks holding it in place. And it's it's getting worse with every... I'm, I'm <laughs> So, like, I'm, I'm wondering if 17 is going to have, like, the little mole patches on the skin at that point. It's gotten that bad. Although I, I do love... And, of course, it was planned this way. But how every single issue ends on the same image of Joker with that platter. Yeah. So... With every comic you read, it makes you want to know that much more what is under that freaking... You know what it was for me? It was like Brad Pitt from Seven. What's in the box? What's in the box? Because, yeah, yeah, I read Batman. I was like, oh, okay, he's got some sort of surprise going on. I read Batgirl, and I was like, that's the same... And then you read Batman and Robin, you're like, okay. What's we, in it? We, we get it. We get it. What What's under there right it, now? It's going to be something to have to do with Alfred. I don't know what, but it has to be. Um, um, this is the Joker. It's going to be like chattering teeth or something completely nonsensical that doesn't matter to the story. No, they can't. No, he better not punk up like that. That'd be bad. <laughs> um, just very, very last. Did you read Savage Wolverine number one? No. I, I, did, I read like the excerpts and the concept. It, I had no interest in it, really. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. You were right. Okay, that's it. 
<laughs> All right. So for this week's new releases for Marvel, we have A plus X number four, Avengers number three, Deadpool number four, FF number three, Ultimates number 20, Uncanny Avengers number three, long awaited Uncanny X-Force number one, Wolverine and the X-Men number 24 and Young Avengers number one, which I know at least one of us is looking forward to. Yeah, you. For DC, we have 16s for Birds of Prey, Green Lantern, Justice League, Nightwing, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Supergirl, and Wonder Woman, as well as Hellblazer number 299, the next to last issue. And from everybody else, Dark Horse is bringing us the massive number eight. IDW has Borderlands Origins number three, Godzilla number nine, and Secret History of the Foot Clan number two. And from Image, we have Chu number 31. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Prophet number 33 and Witch Doctor Malpractice number three. So a really, really strong lineup from everybody this week. Who's going to be in that Borderlands? Oh, crap. I didn't look. Okay. <laughs> those have been good. I've really been enjoying those. Yeah. I, cool stuff. I, IDW always does great work with their licensed properties. Yeah. Their original stuff, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> so anyway, that's going to wrap us up here. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>